Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. got some things to get into. Welcome. Yes, we do. Plugged in the Nashville Soccer Podcast. I'm Drake Hills. You just heard Nick Gray coming in on a phone line. He's had some difficulties, but we're a persevering group. Don't trust Zoom. Do not we're, trust Zoom. Hey, don't blame that on Zoom. We're a persevering group nonetheless. And we, we don't have time to discuss the frailties of, you know, what's going on with computers in, in video called headphones, technical yes. problems. No, we don't. MLS has some things going on in the league and Nashville C in the, I guess you could say in the thick of it. Yet it was the one team that was playing Wednesday when five other games were not the rest of MLS, the players anyway, decided not to play their games based off of a ripple effect coming from the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA, who decided to not play game five of their first round playoff series with the Orlando Magic. Ironically, that was some, what, 40 miles away, maybe less from Exporia Stadium, where Nashville SC and Orlando City were playing a regular season match in which Nashville SC fell to Orlando 3-1. Daryl DK gets on the score sheet twice, and Chris Mueller gets back on the score sheet after returning to the starting lineup after a couple of injuries that sidelined him at the MLS's back tournament. This is an Orlando, Orlando City team that made it to the final of the MLS's back tournament. That's what happened on the field. But again, going up the road on I-4, down I-4, to Walt Disney World, just a couple of hours later, or earlier, excuse me, where the Milwaukee Bucks created a ripple effect in which not only the Orlando Magic followed, but so did Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets. You also have the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers deciding not to play. NBA decides to postpone all games, which is funny to me because it was the player's decision. So the league, and you saw this with MLS as well, you saw the league trying to say, we're postponing games. No, the players decided not to play, period. That's what it was. They decided and there's not heavy, to more heavy criticism. Yeah, there's way more heavy criticism with the way that the MLS did things because, you know, at least with the NBA, it felt a little more organized from the players. And the NBA seemed to pretty well accept that this was going to happen, whereas the MLS – I don't know how you would explain what happened last night. Well, let me say I know this. you're getting to that part let of me, the story. Let me, let me say this, this. I will say we don't know how reactive or proactive MLS players were. From the, out, from the outside, it looks reactive because it was sure. based off of a spark that was made by NBA players, not the league, NBA sure. players. 
and sure, they, yeah. in turn, specifically the Milwaukee Bucks, created a a ripple effect that not only touched other NBA teams but also touched other professional teams in Milwaukee. Considering the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. not to play their game Wednesday night against the Cincinnati Reds, and although you know the Yankees and other teams were playing in, in Major League Baseball, the Brewers obviously represented MLB in this facet. So now that we're taking a look at the timeline, so you're looking at what, 6 o'clock, 5.30, maybe 5 o'clock was when between 5 o'clock Central and 6 o'clock Central p.m. is when the NBA practically shut down. You had players and teams making statements. You had reports coming out. And then you also had the Milwaukee Brewers make their decisions. Meanwhile, that's a half hour before Nashville SC and Orlando City kicked off at Exploria Stadium. So we don't know exactly the first impression to when they had heard about it. I know players, I saw players favoriting and retweeting, particularly Nashville SC players. I saw Eric Miller. I saw uh, Jalil Baba. I saw Dax McCarty. I saw other players um, with Nashville SC, you know, favoriting or retweeting what was going on in the NBA, uh, particularly with, with someone like Eric Miller, who's from the Great Lakes. He's from Minnesota, uh, which is obviously not far from Milwaukee. That's in the region. And, you know, I'm sure he's, he's very well aware of what was going on, although, he, you know, he wasn't in the traveling squad. He, would, he didn't play Wednesday, but he's still very well a part of this, of, of the setup. And in talking with Jalil Alibaba and Dax McCarty Wednesday after the 3-1 loss to Orlando, mind you, they, did, they had no thoughts based off of what actually happened on the game. It was strictly talking about what was going on with protests. They said that they heard rumors, they heard murmurs, from other clubs around MLS thinking about not playing. Obviously, they heard what, what happened with Inter-Miami and Atlanta United, who were the first clubs deciding not to play. They heard that, but it was right before they were ordered to have a no-phone policy. So what happens is I'm expecting about 45 minutes before kickoff, or you know, probably even before that, you know, National C players, they're not on their phones anymore. They're, they're turning their phones off. They're getting dressed. They're getting in the locker room. They've got to get going. And, yes, Dax McCarty says there were some discussions between players about what was going on with other teams, but they were also asking questions because they did not know and they were not in communication with Orlando considering this, this situation. So they had no idea what Orlando City was thinking or wanted to do. Also, one thing Dax McCarty said was that not, not the entire team was in the same locker room for Nashville SC. You had the starters in one locker room due to the fact that the locker room, according to McCarty, was too small. And then you had the starters, I mean, excuse me, the reserves in another, you know, adjacent locker room of some sort. So you didn't even have the entire sure. eight team of Nashville SC in the same room. So that would have created another hill to have to ride over. And then on top of that, you're the first game on the, on, the, on the setup. You're the first game. Your kickoff was at 6.30. Atlanta United and Inter-Miami weren't scheduled to kick off until later. So you have that situation. And then on, on top of that, you've got, you know, the, the, the entire rest of the setup, you know, all those games were West Coast games. You had LAFC and Real Salt Lake. You have LA Galaxy and Seattle Sounders. 
and you had uh, Portland Timbers and San Jose Earthquakes. Those are all West Coast games, so they're going to start much later. They have much more time to discuss this, and obviously they were able to discuss it and came to a conclusion that they were going to be in unity, and they decided the players decided not to play. So that's the, those are the facts. And the story that we put out at the Tennessean saying that Nashville C and Orlando City are the only teams playing, this isn't to negate or ignore any possible desire for Nashville C or for Orlando City to want to protest and not wanting to play. They also said during halftime that they, they're not going to be checking their phones during halftime. They're not going to be sure. calling Martha Anthony K at LEFC. They're not going to be calling, you know, Jeremy Ibobise at Portland Timbers. They're not going to be calling you know, other, other guys who – or even Inter-Miami or Atlanta United. They're not going to be calling Brad Guzan, okay? They're, you know, they're, they're not going to be calling Will Trapp. They're not going to be calling guys saying, hey, what's going on? We're down – I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're currently in a situation right now. We're trying to beat Orlando City on the road. But anyway, what's going on down there? They're not going to do that. So that's not to negate the fact that they weren't willing, but at halftime, they were already playing the game. By that time, Atlanta United and Miami decided not to play. That was a report that came out during halftime of the Orlando national game. Honestly, at this point, sure. Me personally, I would have wanted to see Orlando and Nashville not come out for the second half, but the timeline is a bit confusing because from what Jalil Anibaba said in the press in the press conference, it seemed as if they were already having to go out back on the field during halftime. Now, you know, Gary Smith, the National SC coach, claimed that he had no idea about anything until after the after the final whistle. Nani said the same thing from Orlando, which I don't necessarily buy, but that's what there's that's their truth, and we have to take it. And I have I have a couple of questions for you. Now okay. that we've kind of gone through the timeline. <clears throat> what, in your opinion, and this is more your opinion than necessarily what the, the deal might actually be, the National SC as a club have a reason to, t- to tell its players that, hey, this is what's happening around the league. Right. This is I mean, a conversation that you guys no need to have because there are eight other clubs. There are ten other clubs who had this conversation. And there's no. Do you guys do you want to have this conversation, or do you want to play the second half? That needs to be. That needed to be leadership shown by the club. I agree. I completely agree. There is no excuse of not knowing. When that's you why, have, that's why I said I didn't agree. Have, I didn't agree sure. with Gary Smith or or with Nani saying they didn't know anything. That doesn't, make, that doesn't make sense to me. One, you bring all those staff down to Orlando, Florida on a charter flight, and you're telling me you can't have somebody at least just outside the locker room saying, hey, by the way, you're the only teams playing because the rest of the league and its players have, have protested, and they're not committing any labor for the rest of Wednesday night. I'm not saying – You have on your, on your television broadcast. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't expect any, any broadcast, but I'm saying at least – whether sure. it be the parking team, whether it be anybody, anybody on the staff, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to attack anybody to call them a liar. I'm just saying that if that is true, 
if that is true that Nashville SC delegates, you know, technical delegates, players, coaches, Mike Jacobs, GM, whoever, you mean to tell me that they had no idea during halftime of what was going on across MLS? It matters. You need to know. It does and, matter. And you should Absolutely. say something. Everyone should know, and everyone should be given the opportunity to discuss it. I think if there really is this mesh between MLS players, there should be an opportunity for Orlando players and Nashville players to go on the field just like Atlanta and Miami did in warm-ups. This was, at, this was in warm-ups. So it's not like you need a phone in the locker rooms to, to communicate with each other. Go out on the field. And saying, hey, captain and captain, let's talk a little bit. You know, what's going on? It's but also, here, here's one thing that I did not report in, our, in, in my story, or in my stories, I should say. And this is according to Julia Poe, who is the Orlando City reporter for the Orlando Sentinel, who was at the game at the press box Wednesday night. On the broadcast, on the local broadcast for Orlando City, it was reported that the game was to continue simply due to the fact that fans were in attendance at Exploria Stadium. It was not for the reasons of not knowing or that the game was already playing, so we're going to play anyway. The broadcast crew, according to Julia Poe and the Orlando Sentinel, as well as Tyler Snipes of SBI Soccer, the broadcast says that players, or not the players, but clubs decided to go on and MLS decided to go on with the game between Nashville and Orlando because of fans in attendance. For the same, the same reason why the national anthem was being played at Exploria Stadium, because fans were in attendance. It's a cop-out. Heck, heck of a burden for fans to have, don't you think? I'm sure that many of them want it because I'm sure many of them want it because you take a look at all these comments, take a look at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, or take a look at, you know, USA Today. Take a look at any legitimate publication publishing stories about MLB, you know, Milwaukee Brewers and Cincinnati Reds players protesting or any NBA team protesting or any other MLS team aside from Nashville and Orlando protesting. Look at the comments. Of, these are these are fans of these teams. They absolutely, absolutely detest players and anybody in support of not playing the game due in part to protesting in solidarity with Jacob Blake, the Kenosha, Wisconsin, 29-year-old who was shot seven times in the back while getting into his car just three minutes after police showed up after he had broken up a fight between two women. They shot him seven times. A police officer shot him seven times in the back. That happened Sunday. It takes win Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Players are not wanting to play. You've got coaches in solidarity. You've got retired guys, you know, legends in the game in solidarity. You've got broadcast crews, Kenny Smith on NBA Tonight on TNT. You've got Robert Ory on Spectrum. Obviously, there are you have you have athletes and legends and everybody in support of the players and anybody who is in support of this protest. And then you have fans of these teams, many fans of these teams, not all, but many. Not saying, all. Definitely not all. Definitely not there all. Was a lot but, of good, but many saying there was, there was a lot of good Reddit 
there was a lot of good rhetoric in the uh, Orlando City stands, I thought. I mean, so th with all of that going on, you can't sit here and tell me that there was absolutely no knowledge at all. And if, if that is true, if that really is true, that's a poor, poor job by MLS and poor job by the clubs. Poor job. Somebody needs to show leadership in Orlando for either team. It, you had National SC, I know the broadcast crews were not in Orlando for National SC, but half of their halftime analysis were, was the three announcers sitting there talking about this. It, it, you know, they were taught, that was a conversation that happened at halftime and after the game. They were all aware. They had obviously planned to do some type of long segment on this, on the subject. You have enough time to get that to those guys, but with all the staff in Orlando, you don't have time to get to the players and say, look, guys, we may be not, we may not be doing, you know, you may need to make a decision on your own accord and think about what we're doing here. Look, yeah. it, it really does show a lack of leadership um, from both from both Orlando and from Nashville. And the excuse of the fans is just, I, you know, we can blame fans for everything. As a, you can blame fans that's for a, everything that's as a club. Cop out. Who, and who are the so fans? Silly. That's an easy cop-out. Who are the fans? Is someone going to know yeah. a guy who's in Orange County, Florida, Orlando, Florida, who's a lifelong Orlando Pride and Orlando City fan that – just is against, you know, player protests of the national anthem and all this other stuff. Is someone going to know by name who that is? It's easy to say the fans. It's easy to say the fans. That's Very unacceptable. I mean, in, in this situation where you have all the connection and all in this whole tight-knit group of professional soccer in America where everybody's practically cousins. Sure. In every – office front office member knows front office member you've got guys who've played for multiple teams guys who've worked for multiple teams women who've worked for multiple teams it's ridiculous i don't i don't like you you can't sit here and tell me that there is absolutely no knowledge so that's that's my take on it and in the thick of it again there are still a game being played and that's an interesting way to go about it too, right? Is that Nashville also didn't look like it did against Atlanta and certainly like it did against Dallas. The stout and definitely and not coming out stark, half time either. The, the stout, strong and, and then stark middle was, you know, doing its part, but the high line of those fullbacks from Nashville SC going up against some very advancing Orlando City fullbacks. But with Orlando City taking some position, they really exposed Dan Lovitz and Giuliani Baba multiple times. You take a look at the first goal. Jao Moutinho comes in at left back. He's got Giuliani Baba out of the picture because Jalil is way up. And Jao Moutinho gets him behind. So now you've got Walker Zimmerman and Hani Mukhtar. Jao cuts to the end line. He's about to cross. He fakes it, cuts it from his left foot to his right. Hani Mukhtar slides. He's out of the picture. Slides right past him. 
Honey, uh, uh, Walker Zimmerman is in the area. He's not exactly marking Jao Moutinho, but Walker's in the area. As soon as Moutinho cuts it to his right, Chris Mueller is on the ground. Chris Mueller is on the ground. I don't know what happened. He got knocked to the ground somehow. But Dave Romney, I guess, didn't see him because he was like, well, I don't see any purple. Well, the purple was on the ground. And Moutinho ends up getting a, just, a, you know, just a little bit of air on the cross. Mueller doesn't even get to his feet. He literally, like, pushes himself up off the ground for a diving header and beats Joe Willis for the first goal. So that's the equalizer, right? Yeah. But then if you take a look at the second goal – by Orlando City, it's the same thing. It's Ruan. He's also exposed. He's able to expose Dan Lovitz, who's way up the field. And the same thing happened with a third goal, albeit that could have been saved. It just Joe Willis wasn't able to, you know, get his hands on the ball because because it was a re- the third goal was a rebound goal from Orlando City. But if you take a look at that second goal. I mean, great passing. It was a great start by, by uh, Roselle and Mendez and Mueller as well. Rowan was involved. But they find Daryl DK. He ends up making a turn. And he just, he just sim- he simply beat Nashville's back line and scores a second goal. Is it, is it too strong to say that Nashville FC were outclassed for the first time this season? Is that is that too strong of a word? I would say outclass is a, it cover. It's a blanketed term because I don't think that sure. I don't think that Dex McCarty and Anibal Godoy were outclassed. I don't think that. Well, they weren't. In, they did. They weren't engaged in the game like they usually are. Well, I was, like I said, I have to give. I have to get. I have to give credit to Mendez and Rossell and um, another another Orlando City player. Those three central midfielders for Orlando City. They and Gary Smith attested to it after the match. He said, you know, a tremendous performance by uh, the midfield, particularly in the second half. He said that the first the equalizing goal from Orlando gave them the confidence. And he said that was probably one of the best, you know, one of the best performances um, that he, he'd seen by a group of players, if not individual mm-hmm. players. Um, and it's something that aside from P.T. Martinez, who really outclassed Nashville for about five minutes total. The, the, the two minutes that he was on the ball for one goal and the three minutes he was on the ball for the other or whatever, uh, four minutes. But in, the, in the, the Dallas game, the only – the Dallas games, the only guy who was giving Nashville trouble was Michael Barrios. And so this was a situation against Orlando where you had extensive outplaying. You know, a, t- a team outplayed Nashville for an extensive amount of time particularly at Orlando's central midfield, and for large spurts, Orlando City's fullbacks, Ruan and Jao Moutinho. You know, in this particular situation, I don't think that Nashua C was whole, or holistically outclassed. I will say that I think Leal and Mukhtar were, weren't getting the benefit of the doubt. I think that Abu Danladi, although he had some great spurts, I don't think that he had a consistent domination. And I will say that really the, the, the center back pairing was probably, I wouldn't say they were outclassed, but they obviously were beaten. Chris Mueller gets on the score sheet and Daryl Dike gets two. So 
I would say the back line certainly was beaten, but uh, a couple of players I think did well. Um, you know, I do think Abu, he, he did well for large sports, as I said. I don't think Anibal and Dax got outclassed. So I will say they were deliberately beaten. And they were undoubtedly and decisively beaten as a collective, but they were not outclassed. So outclassed isn't strong enough, isn't it, is it, is too strong, but I certainly agree with you that the, you know, they started the first half with a lot of attention towards Jaleelani Baba and, you know, whoever was playing ahead of him in the formation. You know, it was a weird formation. They, you know, they tried the 4-4-2, but, when you don't have the ball and you're on the counter, it's not you, it's not what you think a four four two usually looks like. And so the structure was kind of shaking as well, especially uh, on the second and third goals. Well, it was you know, I, I hate to I, I hate to be too critical, uh, given you know the the circumstances, but. I think they'll be very happy to see enter Miami on Sunday. So speaking of the Miami game, obviously it's the first home game for National SC since the debut. So that's five months in one day total. That's so, a lot. That's yeah, a lot to anticipate. A lot right? of time. That's a lot to anticipate. It's, uh, six months, right? Six months. Well, Not five. It's six months. Yeah, that is six months actually. Yeah. yeah. Wow, my so, math. Is- that is a long time. Six months in one day. And, you know, that's a lot to weigh on. That's a lot to anticipate. That's a lot to have to think about, you know, quite frankly. Also, not, 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 not enough time to establish a home field, home pitch advantage. You're not uh, – you, you've only played there once. you played there as many times as Atlanta United has. So – any type of home field that you'd like to glean with glean out or produce from even without not even having fans is kind of rendered or kind of neutralized there, don't you think? Well, I wouldn't say neutralized because, I mean, we have to still take into account this is going to be Nashville's opportunity to, to not travel, not, <laughs> to not be the team that's on same day travel. Right. That's, that's, that's fair. That, that yeah. plays a factor. That's, that's just that's obvious. That plays a factor. Obviously, your schedule is different. That that changes your game preparation for the day. But also, it's 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 different, right? Because you're you're like, okay, I'm in Nashville. This is our team. This is our stadium, and and that's how this thing goes. So that's that's something to keep in mind. But my question is, by the way, welcome Gentry Estes. Our columnist, who's he's making his first appearance uh, on the Plugged In podcast. So I know I feel is, I feel honored. This, yeah, this is a perfect time. Welcome, Gentry. This is a perfect time to ask this. We question. finally found somebody in the newsroom who wants to talk about soccer. Besides us, <laughs> I want it. This is a perfect time to get this question in because I want to. I want to pull in uh, Gentry first off because I don't want to waste any time. Does all of this? when taking a look at the first home game in six months in a day, plus being, you know, being away from not having to do same day travel and all of that, does this oppose, does this create opposition? Does this create a rebuttal 
for a potential protest Sunday for Nashville and for Inter-Miami, considering Miami already protested against or with uh, Atlanta Wednesday. Yeah, and, and the, the thing about this is it's changing so quickly that, that every hour it tends to look different. Uh, I think the NBA choosing to continue the postseason, uh, I think the games are going to continue in the NBA, not today, but maybe Friday, maybe Saturday. I, I think that what happened on Wednesday was the rest of the sports world took their cues from the NBA. That clearly right. – and, that's, and that's, that's happened several times in this. It happened even when the first cases of COVID-19 came out. And so I think you're going to see other leagues play this weekend as well. I think they're going to take, take, take their cues from the NBA. That tells me – I would be surprised now. I'm not sure I would have said this last night or this morning, but as of now, I do think Nashville will have a game at Nissan on Sunday night. Uh, by the, you know, it could look a lot different though in a few hours. But how how do you think that's contradictory at all? By the way, this isn't my opinion, but do you think it's contradictory at all to play on Sunday for for te- for MLS teams to boycott or to strike or whatever term you you prefer to use? Let's use strike for for the sake of this conversation. Striking for one game and then playing on Saturday and Sunday, what, is, you know, what does that do? Uh, you know, I, I think in the case of, of the NBA and, um, you know, I don't know about MLS. You're talking about regular season games. It's a lot different for the NBA to me because they're in a postseason. They're in a bubble. They're away from their family. The whole point for this whole setup was to play the postseason. So – uh, if it's a regular, it's baseball, soccer, it's a little different when it's a regular season game just because the stakes are a lot different. I, I, I think the, in, in the NBA's case, I do think they did the right thing to continue playing. I, I feel like the, there was certainly uh, a message made already uh, by the games not, not being played, and, and I just feel like if they just stopped the postseason and, and completely stopped playing and went home, there will be so much fewer, so many fewer opportunities to get their message out there than they would have if they continue to play. Uh, the, the spotlight, the availabilities, the chance to make their voices heard consistently, uh, that only exists if the games are being played. That's not going to exist without the games. And a good example is Nashville last night, okay? Now, I believe if that game was scheduled for, for 30 minutes later, they wouldn't have played it. I do believe that. I, I feel like the momentum was such that, that that the only reason they did play was because it was a scenario where they just couldn't get on the same page in time, and I, I don't believe it had anything to do with anything more than that. But had that happened, we, uh, Drake, you and I, and, and those of us who cover the, the team, would not have had the opportunity to speak last night with, with Dax and Jalil, who both had some, I thought, some really thoughtful, outstanding takes on this that we're you know these weren't prepared statements these guys were speaking from the heart about this and 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 it's it's a lot different when you have that kind of conversation versus you know every league is going to send out another prepared statement today well what does that do I think it's a lot different when you're able to have a direct conversation and that the availability is a lot of what we do are tied to the games that's just how the teams present them to us Nashville was able to speak for the rest of the league in a way last night that they would not have been had they not played that game. So in conclusion, you think that playing Sunday, Nashville SC into Miami at Nissan Stadium 
is going to happen and there is no opposition in a possible protest due to the fact that the duration of Nashville not being on homes on home field and, and not having a home game in Nashville. You don't think that that's an opposing factor? No, at all? Uh, no only because there won't be fans there. I, I feel like if, if this was a scenario where there was no COVID-19 and you could fill the stadium and it would be a great atmosphere like they had against Atlanta United back in February, that would, yeah, then, then I think that's a different discussion. At this point, I mean, the, 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 the day in travel is tough. And I think that has worn on Nashville over these games, especially having to go to Dallas back and forth twice the way they did. But in terms of home field advantage and once, once the games start and after you get there, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter where they're being played because the fans aren't really having too much of an impact. Now there were fans for Orlando uh, and, and Dallas when, when Nashville played there, but um, I don't know. I, th- I think the team, it'll help them to be able to play a game at home because they won't have to travel anywhere, but in terms of. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really how I see it is that the, the circumstances of Nashville's schedule, Nashville's experience in MLS would behoove them to play Sunday just solely based off of those factors. And I also think, I guess I can, I can adhere to your point that Nashville did have a sense of privilege that the other teams did not. Although I will say though, that what we were discussing earlier is what was happening during halftime. There's there, surely there would have been the same opportunity to speak and represent the MLS players, Dax McCarty and Giuliani Baba, during halftime had the, the second half been called off. And they said, we're not going out. We're not going out for the second half. And we're going to explain why during, during a media availability. That, that surely could have been an opportunity and, and been a platform that they could use, right? Well, it could have. And the game was 1-1. So, I mean, if it, you know, there would be no one team accusing the other of not wanting to finish the game they were going to – I mean, it, it was set up to where they, they could have competitively been able to do that. But I don't know. I mean, I think Jalil made the point. Once you start the game, it's it's hard to call it off. And, and I – it was a tough situation for those guys. You could tell – I mean, I was curious how it was going to be explained after the game. And you, you, could, you could tell that they were not <laughs> – I, I, there were probably, you know, I think Jalil made the point of being making this a unified decision. So there were probably some differing viewpoints within Nashville's team, I would have to think, or at least the fact. Oh, really. I think in Orlando, I think in every team. And that's that's one thing I I need to say as well, is that just because there's a decision for players not to want to play doesn't mean that every player has – gotten what they wanted but it also means that it was the players who made the decision not major league soccer and i think that was a big problem right is that mls puts out a statement saying we've decided to postpone matches no you haven't the players decided they didn't want to play that's exactly right (laughs) and also another thing this caters to the point that there was discussion between players and that there was some sort of notoriety. One thing that I was not accepting was that players and coaches, i.e. Nani and Gary Smith saying that they had no idea that they that players were protesting there weren't any other games. 
prior to final whistle. They didn't find out until after the final whistle. If that really is true, as I said earlier, that's a poor job by not only club staff, but also MLS. There's too many connections. There's too much communication on other things that are going on, not to at least notify people. I, I, I mean, I agree. Baseball had it happen too, where, where some teams played and some teams didn't. And, and I mean, this, this did move quickly yesterday. Yeah, that's, it, I mean, that's it, true. That's true. It, it changed to a point that, I mean, I could see how it happens. And I, I don't think, I think from Nashville's sake too, I, I think the players wanted to make it clear that they're, they're playing that game didn't, indicate anything in terms of their their support for for, for well, certainly not certainly not. I mean, and, and Jaleel, Jaleel said Jaleel said at the end he said you know we made it very clear in the MLS's back tournament where we as a collective player pool stand and that hasn't changed and that was what he said on in the post game press conference so Gentry we hope that this will not be your final time on plugged in uh, once again Nashville SC enter Miami 7.30 Central Time kickoff at Nissan Stadium. First time for Nashville at home in six months. So it's something certainly to, to anticipate, I'm sure, for players and for Coach Gary Smith. Nick Gray, Gentry Estes, I'm Drake Hills. This has been episode 11 of Plugged In. This is the National Soccer Podcast. Take care. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.